In this message, we're continuing our series, Love Conquers All, and we're staying in the same passage of scripture, 1 Corinthians 13. So if you haven't read it yet, go check it out. And for this Sunday sermon, actually, McGray is going to be reading from the message translation. So if you want to go look up the message translation, that might be kind of cool. And we're talking about humility. Now, you may have heard humility talked about as maybe it's uh, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Uh, McGray is going to give us four principles, though, that can help us practice humility in our day-to-day lives. So check it out. Let's pray. Oh God, open our eyes to empathy, curiosity, humility, and to the way of love, that we might be generous and compassionate toward others and ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we delight in the paraphrase of the Bible called The Message and its rendition of 1 Corinthians 13. In particular, we note the beauty with which it renders its depiction of humility as a core quality of love. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first. It's a lovely and poetic rendition of humility written by the great Eugene Peterson, who was one of the most humble persons I've ever had the honor of knowing personally. And yes, the fact that I just name-dropped Eugene Peterson instantly makes me less humble than he was. Humility is such a tricky virtue to hold on to, isn't it? Over 30 years ago, I went to a private Christian high school in St. Petersburg, and it had an interesting way of observing homecoming, different from all the other schools. We never had the typical homecoming court or king or queen elected by popular vote by the students. Instead of popularity, the administration had us vote on fellow students based on spiritual qualities and Christian virtues. So for example, we voted for persons whom we felt best exhibited wisdom or faith or loyalty or compassion, and the top vote-getters for each quality would then comprise the homecoming court. So during my senior year of high school, who do you suppose got the most votes for the virtue of humility? Yeah, that's right, this guy. I was so proud. It did pose an interesting dilemma. Do I attend the ceremony to accept the award? It reminds me of the joke of the guy who was a member of a club that awarded him the most humble. He took the ribbon, promptly pinned it on his lapel, so the club rescinded it. How does that country western song go? Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Well, the truth be told, I have often had an interesting and even unsettling relationship with the virtue of humility. For much of my younger years, I thought being humble meant deflecting praise, disregarding compliments, even thinking lowly of myself. I had equated being humble with being self-effacing, even self-degrading. But then there came a turning point toward a healthier view of humility. It, It came from reading works by Christian spiritualist Matthew Fox who said that the Latin origin of the word humility is humus, which means ground, dust, dirt. To be humble in the purest sense means to stay grounded. Means thinking of oneself not too highly or not too lowly, but to remember one's 
connection and interdependence with all of life. To be humble means that your well-being and my well-being are connected. We need each other. Well, imagine what kind of impact that idea would have on the world if, if we all learned to adopt that mindset of humility. What if we practiced more humility, even in our approach to knowledge and forming opinions and, and sharing them with each other? A few years ago, a study by Duke University revealed that people who were more intellectually humble have a greater desire to learn and improve because they embrace ambiguity and the unknown. They like getting new information and even finding out when they're wrong. College students who are intellectually humble have been found to be higher in academic achievement and they improve their grades over the course of a semester. And, and it's not just true for knowledge. Humility is also true in relationships. There are other studies that have shown that while arrogant people overreact in conflict and are slow to take responsibility for their actions, humble people build connections with others. They are more helpful, more tolerant, sensitive, and accepting of differences. Researchers in Ohio once went to a shopping mall and gave out 197 people $5 with the choice of keeping the money for themselves or giving it away. And those higher in humility gave away the money. This is all to say that Paul was right in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is humble. To have a love that is patient and kind and hopeful and forgiving, you have to be humble. But being humble is one thing. Practicing humility, well, that can be a challenge. So I'd like to share with you four practical principles for how to be humble and then conclude with a personal example. These principles come from an article back in 2018 from the International Journal of Management Reviews. And if you're impressed that I read such an intellectual publication, let me humbly admit, I googled it. The authors give these four practical aspects of humility. Number one, accurate self-awareness. In other words, acknowledge your limitations. Accept them, even appreciate them. Become aware of your blind spots and weaknesses and have a realistic view of yourself and your capabilities. Don't beat yourself up over your shortcomings. Accept them and appreciate them and be aware. Number two, appreciation of the strengths and contributions of others. If humility means remembering that we are grounded and connected to every other person, then it means that we need the strengths and contributions of other people to navigate through life. Humble people are willing to accept help from others and are ready to offer help out of their own strengths. We really are stronger together. Number three, teachability and openness to feedback. Humility means having an open-minded attitude to the opinions of others and not to be closed off to people or perspectives with whom they disagree. I mean, this makes sense, right? Because if the first quality of humility means accepting our limitations, and if the second quality is appreciating the strength of others, then this third principle means 
having a desire to learn from other people so that we can all be better. Now, these first three principles are all common sense and intuitive. There's no surprises there. But then there's the fourth and final principle, a sense of transcendence and a larger perspective. This one's fascinating. The researchers said historically and philosophically, this sense of transcendence and a larger perspective has been related to awe and belief in God and nature. It means you can't be humble without remembering that you are just a small part of this vast universe. And for us followers of Jesus, our belief in God keeps us in check from believing that we are the center of the universe because we are utterly dependent on God and each other, and that keeps us humble. Acknowledge your limitations, appreciate the strengths of others, accept feedback, and be aware of God's bigger picture. These aren't just theoretical principles. Humility is not just some abstract philosophical ideal to ascribe to. It's a gateway to a transformed life. Humility is the way of love. And it is the key to shaping the lives of others and our future together. Think about the most significant people who have formed you throughout your life. I bet they were humble people, weren't they? They cared about you more than you realized at the time. Last week, I attended two funerals in the span of four days, both people who influenced my life when I was just a teenager through their acts of kindness and love and humility. The first person was Rita Smith. She was an administrator in my high school. My senior year, I spent sixth period as a volunteer assistant in the office, and that's when she got to know me. I said in a Facebook post last week that Mrs. Smith believed in me even more than I believed in myself. She was the kind of person that everyone ought to have in their life. She urged me to apply to college. She helped me navigate the application process. And knowing that my family was of limited financial means, she helped me apply for one of the top scholarships, resulting in full tuition funding. Years later, after I received 11 rejection letters from 11 medical schools, she was one of the first persons who nudged me into the calling that I have today. Just two years ago, she called me. She said, McGray, come over and visit. I have a file on you. Not exactly the kind of thing you want to hear from an old high school administrator. But I visited her and her husband in Largo, and she gave me a stuffed manila envelope filled with old newspaper clippings that she had saved about me and an original copy of my high school valedictory address. She did all of this with a spirit of humility that shaped my life. Four days after her funeral last week, I attended the funeral of Bruce Strickland, my Bible teacher in high school. The depth of his knowledge about the Bible and his love for the scriptures became deeply, deeply rooted in me and set the biblical foundation for what I do today. Every time I prepare a sermon for you, I look at that scripture text and I can hear faint echoes of sitting in Mr. Strickland's Bible class. That very same senior year, Mrs. Smith sent me to Mr. Strickland's room 
to ask if he could write a letter of recommendation for me to apply for that scholarship. I was as nervous as I could be in asking him. A few days later, he called me to his room to hand me his reference letter. I read it, and I said to him, Mr. Strickland, I don't know how to thank you for this, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, McGray, someday someone is going to ask you for a similar request. You can thank me by doing the same thing for someone else. That's the kind of humility that he exhibited each and every day. Friends, love is humble. Humility is not always easy. But we have an example in Jesus whose humility led him to self-sacrifice and generosity, not for his own sake, but for the sake of the world. Imagine if we all practice that kind of loving humility. Let us go and do likewise. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus, who exemplified a spirit of humility. Practicing that mindset is so difficult for us. We would rather put ourselves ahead of others and neglect the humanity and dignity of people around us. Teach us empathy. Show us how connected we are to you and to all people everywhere. Help us to acknowledge our limitations, seek the strength of others, invite feedback and hard truths, and to claim your perspective as our own. Shine humility through us. Show us the way of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to this message and for staying connected with us. If you want to go deeper with this message, there are reflection questions down in the notes below. And you can always go to hydeparkumc.org slash next steps to learn about some other opportunities in our faith community. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.